What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball in the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. We're recording this on Thursday morning Australian time, and we say that because it is a ridiculous time in basketball. We're about a week away from the trade deadline. There's lots of stuff happening there in the NBA. The NBL is rolling through. Lauren Jackson has announced that she's making a comeback to basketball. That was the big news yesterday. So uh, make sure you check out ESPN.com.au for all the latest news. And also, check out The Jump, 7 p.m. on Friday nights. I play a little role on there. But Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland are the real stars. Nat Edwards keeps everyone under control. So make sure you check out The Jump, 7 p.m on Friday nights. But the other news we have in the basketball world that came out yesterday on Wednesday, the Boomers have announced their squad for the upcoming FIBA World Cup qualifiers. They're going to be held in Japan later this month. And we have the grizzled veteran of the squad with us today, a, uh, a regular of the Boomers of the last few, seasons, last few years, particularly the major tournaments, Nick Kay. How you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, great to be here, man. And, um, Glad we could chat about it. I never thought I'd uh, hear veteran or been around for the last few years, but I'll take it. That's what I was going to ask you. I say that, and I say that jokingly because when we look at this squad, it is such a young squad. A bunch of the the DPs that we see in the NBL uh, this season are in the squad, and then and then you're the name that that really stands out. You've been in the World Cup 2019, obviously part of the bronze medal winning team in Tokyo as well. So how does it sit with you that you are the, the regular fixture and everyone looks at the squad, they see your name and they say, okay, yeah, we've got, we've got a, a star that we know from the Boomers the last two tournaments. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I guess the thing that um, sits best with me is the fact that I started as one of those young guys, went to that Asia Cup and it was really about just trying to do anything you could to make that squad and make that team. And now four or five years later that I've been fortunate enough to make uh, the World Cup and the Olympics. And um, I just never want to turn down an opportunity to play in the green gold. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of guys weren't able to do it this time. And I couldn't get my hand quick enough to get my hand up quick enough to be involved. So I love it. I love wearing it. And it's one of those things that I'll always take the opportunity to play when the opportunity presents itself. So these qualifiers, and I'm not going to pretend that I know the, uh, the geographical uh, areas of Japan perfectly, but you are, it does feel to me, you might be the, the tour guide for the squad. You're over in Japan playing right now. People might lean on you for, for uh, some tips on how to get around Japan, what's going on. It's obviously pretty convenient for you, though, and I guess we should start there. How are you finding life in, in Japan right now? I'm really loving time in Japan. Um, it's such a cool place. The people are unreal. Uh, the culture's something else over here. And um, to have the qualifiers in Japan is going to be an exciting <laughs> thing. I think uh, the Japanese people love basketball and they get behind it so much that hopefully um, they'll be really supportive and um, can't wait to show some of the guys around. And I mean, my language, my Japanese isn't great, but a few of the other boys over here, like uh, Angus Brand, Reese Vague, pretty good. So... Hopefully, I'll be able to pick up a few things from them as well when I get to uh, hang around with some of those guys. Yeah, and Angus, obviously, someone you're familiar with. He'll be there as, as well with the Boomers. There is a couple of older players that, that are on the squad that uh, fans will be familiar with from previous tournaments. You mentioned the Commonwealth Games, all those types of things. But when you go to a, a country, and, and I must admit, most of my travel's been in the US, so I haven't spent large periods of time in countries that aren't primarily English-speaking. So... Purely from a basketball point of view, and I know there's a lot of imports and international players on the roster, but how have you found that? Because we've seen this in the NBL here this year with conversations with guys like Joe Chi and guys that 
are learning the the Australian culture and how to actually fit in with a team? How's the process been for you? Yeah, it's been pretty smooth. It helps having uh, Paul Hanari as a head coach. He's um he's been great at kind of um, combining, I guess the Australian New Zealand kind of way and uh, the Japanese Asian style as well. And um, it's been pretty smooth with it all. Um, obviously, there are challenges in trying to communicate and um, certain things on the court and stuff. But, I mean, we've got such a good group. You've got good guys around. You've got good staff and good community. It's a lot easier to get those messages across. And um, just means sometimes you've got to walk through things, show a few things. And um, obviously, people learn differently as well. So it's about employing those different mechanisms of learning onto the court. And um, once you get that going, it, it makes it pretty smooth and pretty pretty easy to do. So I was going through some of the players that are over there right now and for NBL fans, there's a lot of familiarity, particularly with the big men that are, that are over there. And I'm not sure how, uh, that with the different conferences, how often you see these guys, but John Mooney, obviously, Wildcats fans will be very familiar with. Sean Long, DJ Newbill, you've already mentioned Angus Brand. I mean, there's a lot of guys that if you're an Australian basketball fan that you would be familiar with and they're all putting up numbers, all playing a, a big role. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. Probably every week or two, you come up against someone you've played before or has yeah. been in the NBL. And um, I think it just shows that the Aussie Basketball League is producing some really good talent. And um, I'm honestly surprised more people haven't headed over this way even earlier. Um, there's only probably three Aussies over here right now. And I think in the next few years, there'll be more because the league's getting stronger. Um and it's just a good place to play a lot of games and stuff. And it's fun to be over here. So um, it's good coming up against these guys. It makes it really competitive. And um, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out and seeing a few of these other guys as well. You guys are 22-8 and eight right now. You had a big win last night. Uh, you mentioned you have a bit of a break coming up here. Is that scheduled in for the, the FIBA window? Or, or what does the, the rest of the season look like in terms of your schedule? Yeah, so it's been, it started off pretty busy. We had a little... Uh, down patch and then we've got this little month here where the fever window kicks in uh, i think the japanese guys go into about a 15 day camp or something so unfortunately we don't have the same time frame to work with there but um after this i think it's pretty much three games a week for two months straight and um and then we head into finals afterwards if you get there so um really just about playing well and getting on a good roll heading into that uh that busy patch of the season is there any, again, I should have looked this up. Is there anyone on your team that, because you will play Japan, you've got two games against China, Chinese Taipei and then Japan are in the middle there. Uh, I assume there'll be some familiar faces you'll, you'll be coming up against in that game. The Japan team is, is going to be relatively strong. Yeah, um, I think they're bringing a fair, fairly good team, to be honest. Um, we got two of our guys, uh, Sayolando and Kosuke Kanemaru. So they're both great players. They've been huge for us all season. I mean, um, say is our point guard he pretty much runs the team and then Kosuke's if I've got to make a comparison he's pretty much the Chris Goulding of uh, the Japanese league he's knockdown shooter and no one leaves him so um, they've got some talent and they're going to be tough to beat let alone Chinese Taipei as well all right let's go back to your national team stuff you mentioned the Com games uh, you were part of the Asia Cup squad as well but if we go back to 2019 uh, coming into this it was the FIBA World Cup but before that there was the craziness in Melbourne and across Australia, the Team USA stuff. So you get named in that squad 
and this was, I, I imagine, was a little bit different to some of the other training camps you've been to. You speak to some of the guys that were involved in that. This sort was of super competitive. Obviously, the, the squad had big goals. When you already had a taste of it uh, in the senior team, you played juniors, but you had a taste of it in the senior team, and then you come into that training camp. Uh, what was that feeling like for you with all of a sudden all those guys are there? Ben Simmons is kind of in and out. All the media is there from across the world. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, if you look around the group, you're thinking like, holy moly, like majority of this team's been or is still in the NBA and you're trying to go up against these guys. And I think the real grounding thing for me was I've just got to find something that I can do differently or can bring to the team, something that um, will give me an edge to try and make this team and um, never going to be best scorer out there or anything. But I figured if I could chase every rebound, then it'd give me an opportunity and um, try to get guys like patting that open. So it's one of those things, it's not necessarily going to be what, like being the best player out there, but it's about doing something that you can do really well and help the team. And that was probably the biggest thing that I had to focus on because, I mean, there's so many talented guys out there and we're competing for those spots. So I tried to find something a little different to do. Even with everything you'd been through, and at that point, uh, you'd obviously been dominant with the Wildcats for a while. You guys have had great success. And it's a different role. You're a star with the Wildcats. Next thing you are playing at this game at Marvel Stadium, there's 55,000 people there. I'm up in the media box. I can't even see the court on that far away. But th that's an incredible experience. And you're playing against, uh, again, as you mentioned, NBA players, but stars, all stars in, in the NBA. So what is, is that confronting for you? Is it just basketball? Are you able to get out there and feel comfortable? What does what that first sort of moment and those first minutes feel like? Yeah, I think especially the first time you go up against Team USA, it is a little daunting because these guys you've looked up to and watched your whole life at the pinnacle of the NBA arena and all-star games and everything. And I think until you get out on that court and you're actually able to throw the ball up and start playing, it all feels a little surreal. But then once you hit that court, I, it all disappears. It's just, all right, what do I have to do here? What do I have to do here? Being in the right spot, boxing out, doing all those little things. And um, I mean, it also helps when you've got such talented guys in your own team. You've got Bainsey and Bogut in that situation. You've got Patty. And they've been in that situation that many times. It's just about, you don't want to let those guys down. Do whatever you can to help these guys out and um, just do your role for however long you're out there for. So you talk about not letting them down. You ended up playing 20 minutes a game in that tournament and arguably your best game was against Spain, which was obviously disappointing. But Bogut was in foul trouble. You had 16 and 11. You're playing a major role. But clearly when you're in the tournament, you're locked into what you're trying to achieve and you understand your role. But, but is there a pressure in terms of what the, the program has gone through in the last decade? Obviously, that, that game was disappointing. You lose the next game. But for someone that was in that experience for the first time, how did you sort of take that, seeing probably the reaction of the other guys? And everyone's disappointed, but everyone understands also what those, those five guys have been through. Yeah, that was the hardest thing. Walking back into that locker room after that Spain game and then the France game to... They'd been through it before and to see the heartbreak in there because of what those guys had given up to be a part of and to build this program to what it was. Um, it, it hurt. Like, everyone in that locker room could feel the pain that was going through everyone. And it was tough to really handle at that moment, but... It's something that I don't think without that experience would have helped us be where we were in uh, Beijing either. 
Oh, you know, sorry, in Japan, Tokyo. What do you think that did for you as a basketball player? Again, um, playing a different role. What did you take out of that? And then you obviously went overseas yourself. What did you take out of that experience? Well, that was probably right there. Um, I realized that I needed to um, change slightly the way I played. The um, ability to go up against those bigger European bodies was something that I hadn't had a whole lot of experience with. And that was the big reason for the move the next season to head over to Europe and to play in the ACB because I wanted that experience and I thought it would help me for the next window. And um, it definitely was a different style I had to play over there. Um, Role was definitely a lot more limited, but it helped me defensively. It helped me offensively learning the game in a different different style and was a major factor in um, being able to go into the that next uh, campaign and have an impact. Yeah, you played 30 minutes per game in Tokyo. So again, a, a major role uh, in this team that obviously then was able to get over the hump. We had Matisse Thibel on the show a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to him about finding ways to, as you sort of point to, finding ways to have an impact to the game if you're not necessarily getting draws playing up for you or whatever it may be. And he mentioned you straight away and, and spoke for several minutes about what he learned from you being in this team. And again it doesn't feel like something that would be necessarily easy. And it's not all that common for guys that have been a professional for a long time, played a star in role to have the, I guess the awareness or the understanding of how they can maximize their skill set in the team. Was, was it yourself? Was it a conversation with someone? How did you find yourself having that understanding of, of yourself and how you can benefit the team and, and obviously yourself? I think um, a lot of it just came down to that, uh, what I learned over in Europe, um, the floor spacing and when to cut on a lot of different actions was a major thing for me. And then I guess when, like I like to look at it, like when you got Joe and Patty out there, just for examples, anytime you could do something to help them get more space is a huge thing. And so I'd be standing in the corner and the ball screen would be coming towards me and Patty's right next to me. I'd I'm cutting to get out of there. So his guy's got to help just a smidge so he can get his shot off. And um, it's stuff that's not necessarily always recognized, but it's major. Like it's something to help them. And I want, I want to do whatever I can to help those guys be as successful as possible. And I mean, we just had such a good team. It, I always I say, you don't want to let these guys down. And I guess I kind of tried to play that way throughout the whole tournament. Yeah. I would say 95% of the people watching don't, notice that kind of stuff because you don't get a stat for it nothing happens patty might score the bucket you've created some space gorge certainly does though and matisse said that he had some pretty honest conversations with gorge you obviously had andre at the world cup uh coming into a, a gorge tournament what did he sort of outline for you as what he thought you were going to be able to contribute or, or how you were going to best maximize your role yeah i mean gorge is so upfront with everything like <laughs> um there's never any beating around the bush with him. He just says it how it is. And I think it all came down to just playing hard defensively and then offensively moving the ball and doing those little things. We'd watch film, a lot of conversations with assistant coaches and stuff. And then um, they kind of made sure everything, everything was in the right place on the practice court and stuff. But then it was also very player driven at the same time. So just finding that balance and um, I guess having that, um, what am I trying to thought? Just, Making sure everyone was accountable for each other. That was probably the big thing as well. There was no messing around today. It was we were there for a reason. It was make sure the job got done. 
It's uh, I, I, I assume. I, I don't know. I'm not a professional athlete, but the, the ego is a big part of it as well. And you don't seem like someone that has a massive ego that's going to come out and say, "Well, I need my touches. This is this is what's going to happen." Is that been something you've learned though, or is that is that always kind of been part of your part of your makeup? No, I think that's kind of just the old uh, Tamworth country way. Um, <laughs> you kind of just kind of go about your business and do your job and. Um, it definitely wasn't just me. The amount of people that gave up things for that group. Um, the leaders started with the way they did the culture nights and different things and events for the team. And then, I mean, you got NBA players, you got guys like Josh Green and that that aren't playing a whole lot of minutes. But when they get out there, they were diving on loose balls, sprinting the lanes and um, the way they contributed during every practice and stuff. And then when they got on the court, it, it showed that they'd put in the work and stuff. So... Um, and they're going to be huge factors for these next ones too. So um, it's exciting time for Australian basketball and I can't wait to see uh, how it continues to progress. So uh, obviously, in, you already mentioned Joe Ingles and it's obviously been a pretty brutal couple of days for him and, and really anyone that cares about basketball in Australia seeing, seeing that injury for Joe. After he, or it was announced that he, that he did Terry's ACL, it was kind of, you know, it was heartwarming to see how many people had stories about Joel. Or how, everyone loves Joe. I mean, that's just, that's just the fact. You've played with him, uh, obviously, at a couple of tournaments here as well. Uh, what is he like as, as a teammate? Because... Hey, it's, it's one of those... He's just one of those guys that um, will have so much banter and will talk some rubbish, but then you'll get a message from him out of the blue. And, I mean prime example is this year I'm sitting in the apartment uh the fiance is still not over here I'm by myself and suddenly I get a message saying look out look in the mail uh someone should be there in the next couple of days and I've got an Aussie te- care package with boxer <laughs> shapes tim tams just everything you can think of and um he didn't have to do that he went out of his way to do something that would help would be nice for me and um just that's the type of guy he is just go out of his way to do something for other people and for the guys that are involved and stuff because that's the leader and type of guy he is. And from some of the videos, he looked like he was a leader in the uh, celebratory uh, post-game as well of the bronze medal. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely fair to say. Um, he was <laughs> he deserved it. The way he played, the way he's um, been involved in the Aussie basketball and the way he's helped it grow. Um, it was good to be able to see those guys um, be able to take a step back and just let out some steam from all the work and years they've put into um, getting Australian basketball where it is. So uh, I already mentioned, obviously, the role that you had in Tokyo. But coming back the second time, uh, did it feel different? I mean, you spoke about the first time all those NBA guys are there. Did you come back feeling like, okay, yes, I still have work to do to to make this squad, but uh, you know, mentally this doesn't feel as daunting perhaps as what it was the first time? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I never want to go into any win, any campaign or anything and think I'm definitely in this team so I'm going in there thinking whatever I have to try and make this team again um but with a little bit of I guess more confidence that I've done it before but I've still got I've got to perform probably even better to make it this time because um there was a few more NBA guys and stuff and the opportunity there wasn't a whole lot of time to really show what you could do so um I think that I got over there a little early was able to be um part of that early um, LA stuff. And um, again, same thing. It's just trying to find a little niche that you can um, show you can help the team with. 
there were so many guys in that team that sacrificed, as you already pointed to, and I mentioned Matisse already. Uh, there's been such a fascination with him over here in Australia. And like I said, we, we were fortunate enough to chat to him for uh, quite a while, a few weeks ago. He's such an interesting guy. What did you find out about him uh, in the time? doesn't have to be Barcelona. We know he can seriously play, but he's, he's, a, he's a different guy. He is, but like, I guess the fascination was throughout the group too, the way he kind of just rolled in day one. <laughs> First time we meet the guy, he's strolled out in a pair of socks, <laughs> shoes in hand, late to the, or pretty much late to the bus and just freaking out because he didn't want to let any of the guys down. But um, just the, how polite he is, the, how nice he is, the way he kind of, fits in with everyone and such a good guy. That was probably the first thing everyone noticed. And um, it wasn't hard to kind of want him around the group, be a part of it. And he, um, he brought a special energy to the group and everyone kind of just bonded with him because of that. Do you think about that often? I know this is a pretty silly question, but you know, we you know, were fortunate enough to speak to a number of the guys. And it was one of those things that it was more than just a, a basketball tournament. I was obviously here in Australia at the time and the entire country, I don't know whether you guys could feel it over there and you've played for long enough that you would understand, but it, it, st- it did stop the country, that game. And every time you guys were playing, people were going crazy. Did you, did you feel that from over there or do you still have a sense of it sort of months on or months removed from, from the bronze? I think it's impossible not to feel it when you're over there. Um, between the phone blowing up the, with the messages and the support, um, people reaching out, just the stories you'd hear from back home and stuff. Um, people taking sick days off just to watch <laughs> games and that. Like it was, it was special to be a part of. And I guess because we had all that support, it was about trying to do everything we could to give back and make sure we were earning that support through the way we played. And um, I guess that's, Another reason why it felt so special to actually come away with the medal at the end was because everyone who had been a part of it and supported us got that reward at the end. What's next for you? And I know you're in the middle of your season in Japan, but you spoke about the, the sort of path you've taken and international basketball was something you wanted to experience or you thought could help you. Uh, have you thought ahead to, to where it lies? Obviously, you're having a good time in, in Japan at the moment, but what do you, what do you see? Uh, for you in terms of perhaps the next step you think you need to take or what, what can help you and as you continue towards towards Paris? Yeah, I mean, I'm loving it over here right now. Um, obviously, Paul Hanari is a great coach. I feel like I'm learning a lot from him this year. Um, obviously, next year and stuff becomes an interesting situation because you're back to um, World Cups and stuff and it's about preparing and making sure you're in the best possible spot. So uh, a lot of conversations with... Uh, I always talk to Matt Nielsen. He's he's my guy. He always tells the honest and um, what's going on and um, just try and figure out what the best move would be in terms of being as prepared as possible to try and make that team again is a big thing for me. Is the US something you, you want to, to get back over there and play? Is that, is that a goal? And, and obviously the NBA is everyone's goal, but the G League has obviously taken huge steps in, in recent years. Is the US something that interests you? You talk about Matt Nielsen. Yeah, I mean, if the opportunity presented itself, it would be unreal to try and give that an experience and um, play over there. Um, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure, but um, we'll see how this season pans out. I always say the better you play, the, um, the more success you have as a team, the more individual success comes with it. So just going to try and win this season and hopefully some good things will come from that. Uh, just a couple out of, uh, well, a couple of Japan questions out of my own interest. But first of all, you mentioned uh, your fiance and, and clearly being overseas during everything. 
has has yeah. been challenging. What's what does that look like? She'll be over there soon, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed she'll be here at the end of the month. Um, obviously, borders closed and visa situation stuff's made it really tough. And um, yeah, really hoping she'll be over here at the end of this month. And it'll be great just to be able to hear her again. I think it's been nine, ten months now. So originally she left for two months. I was meant to head home before um, the Olympic um, campaign and then had to go straight to the US. And it's just been kind of been pushed back month by month. So hopefully this end, end of this one. And Japan is always somewhere somewhere I wanted to go. Uh, originally, before COVID, I had my own plans to get there for the Olympics. I just want to check it out. It looks like such a fun place to be. So outside of basketball, uh, and again, there's these weird times with the pandemic and all those types of things, but uh, how is Japan life treating you off the court? It's really cool. Um, obviously, a bit cold over here at this point of year. Yeah. Um, I think it would be, if we weren't in season, it would be an unreal place to go out and go snowboarding or skiing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I look out the window right now, we're on the road up in our Toyama, but the mountains are just packed with snow and um, it'd be cool to actually get around and do that. And then I guess just the cultural things as well, the... Um, the different castles that you see in all the different cities, the um, people are unreal, the drives and just the nature around here is pretty cool too. Love it, mate. Well, everyone has enjoyed following you the last few years, particularly with the boomers, but now uh, over there in Japan as well. And like I said, everyone was pumped to see that you are available and willing and ready to play for the boomers here later on in the month. So we're going to enjoy watching that. And uh, we appreciate your time, man. I know you're on the road. I know it's in, in season, uh, but we appreciate it. Anytime, man. Um, hopefully we come out, we can get, we're going there for three big wins and that's the plan heading in. So can't wait to uh, get around these guys and um, kind of try and show them what that, um, that Aussie team and the Booms culture is all about.